Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Thank you for joining us for our Wednesday evening Bible study. For the last several weeks, we have been doing a series on the book of Colossians. And so this evening, I want to go back there to the book of Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 2, where Paul writes, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. We've often heard the phrase that talk is cheap. And in most settings, I think we understand what that person may be referring to. However, we can ill afford to ever underestimate the power of speech, and we certainly ought to always consider the person that's doing the speaking. For instance, a doctor can speak just a few words and give a patient hope or either cause them to give up. The power of those few words can be releasing or they can be debilitating. The judge can say just a few words and a person's life is either freed or condemned. Through the years, I've had the opportunity to go to court with several different families. Most of the time because of my involvement in prison ministry for several years. But I remember two different cases distinctly. One time was the final hearing of a man that had served a very lengthy sentence for a crime he had committed years before. His case had come up for reassessment of sorts. And I'll never forget the moment that the judge looked at this man and said, Sir, you are free to go. That moment is frozen in time. Years of restriction had all come to an instant end by the power of just a few words. He was in chains and shackles on his way into that courtroom, but he walked out of that same building a free man. On another occasion, I was sitting in that same courtroom when another judge sentenced a different man to life in prison. I'll never forget sitting there and hearing that judge sentence him to the rest of his natural life in the Florida Department of Corrections. Those words just seemed to burn in my spirit. The sheer weight and the power of those words seemed to somewhat pull the oxygen out of the room. Those few words changed the destiny of that person on the receiving end and all of those that were associated to him. So we need to be very careful when we say that words are cheap because it really depends on who's speaking them. The power of speech. The power of speech is such a wonderful gift from God. It was in the writings of James that he gives us some clear word pictures Concerning the tongue, James compared it to a bridle on a horse or the rudder on a ship. He also compared it to fire or or a poisonous viper. Then James compares the tongue to a fruitful tree or to a fountain. These word pictures teach us a valuable lesson about life. 
The tongue has the power to guide, it has the power to kill, or it has the power to refresh. The tongue is but a little member, that's how James refers to it, but it can accomplish great things, things for good or things for evil. In our text this evening, Paul underlines a very important aspect of speech. And so without a doubt, I believe that tonight's subject will be one of the most vital links that a child of God could ever hear, the subject of prayer. At some point in our life, I am completely convinced that everybody prays. Perhaps it's trouble or a crisis, but at some point in our life, everybody prays. Now, an unbeliever may not pray with great faith, but they, and they even may pray with a measured sense that this may or may not work. But somewhere there is a measure and a sense of hope that perhaps something will happen if I pray. They're not really sure it will, but just in case, they pray. They pray because they want help. They pray because they need help. They pray because they're desperate. And so if God is willing to help them, they're certainly willing to receive that help. And so my point is very simple tonight, and that is this. Everyone knows a little something about prayer. Prayer, perhaps, is the most powerful use of the gift of speech that's known to, to humanity. Paul addresses the subject of prayer here with great words of instructions. He simply says, continue in prayer. Or what Paul is really trying to say is be unwavering in your prayer life. I really believe that every child of God ought to have a designated time of prayer and a designated place of prayer. Now I realize that often life has interruptions and we're not able to do that exactly as we would even want to day by day. But I, I truly believe and teach and live that we should have a time of prayer and a place of prayer. There should be some consistencies that are built in to our prayer life. It ought to be a common thing. As I said earlier, some people only pray when they feel like it or they pray only if there's a crisis. But I believe there are many implications to what the scripture is teaching us. And it's that pray without ceasing mindset. That simply means that we should be in constant fellowship with God. The end result is that our prayer should be to us just as normal and just as natural as breathing. And the more consistent we are in prayer, the more our hearts are prepared to receive the Word of God and the will of God. There is a phrase often associated with prayer, and no doubt you've heard it and perhaps even used it many times. And that phrase is, watch and pray. That's a scriptural principle. We first see the use of this principle in the book of Nehemiah. It's here, Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. And in that process, we read about his unique insight to both being prayerful and being watchful. Nehemiah 4 and 9 says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them, speaking of the enemy, day and night. Jesus used the phrase, Twice in the 13th and the 14th chapter of the book of Mark. Paul also used it in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 6. We must be watchful in prayer. But in order for prayer to have any lasting effect, there has got to be power behind that prayer. In the book of Psalms, 
141 and verse number 2, David said, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as an incense. In order for the fragrance of an incense to rise, there must be fire. There must be some power behind that. And so real prayer, real praying demands spiritual energy. Now that's not to say that every word has to be shouted out loud or screamed in order to get God's attention. Because I believe God is into weighing the matters of our heart. And he knows our motives and he can measure our sincerity. Perhaps the greatest example of a quiet but intense and powerful prayer is found in the life of Hannah. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 13, the Bible says she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Though it would appear at first glance that Hannah was being passive, nothing could be further from the truth. She was very desperate for God to bless her with a child. And she was specifically praying for God to bless her with a man-child. There was no way that man could hear what she was saying. But it was apparent that God heard every word. And he honored her faith by answering her prayer. You see, the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven. But the purpose of prayer is to get God's will done on earth. So that's why it is so important that we take time every day to pray. We need to pray for God's will to be done in our lives each day. Prayer, if you think about it, what an humbling thing. Prayer connects God and man. A great preacher once said, What a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. That's a very powerful and a very pointed statement, but I believe that that same principle could bleed over and apply to an entire body of people. It could apply to a church. We could well say what a church is on its knees before God, that it is and nothing more. Jesus said of his house, he said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. May we never forget that blessed command. We must make prayer a real life priority. We're told in the book of James that we have not because we ask not. Prayer is not to inform God of something that he already knows, but prayer is about the spiritual work of God transforming my heart, your heart, and our minds. The discipline of prayer allows God to work in our lives, and it allows him to work in ways that he could not do outside the process of prayer. Prayer connects God and man. Prayer tunes us into the right frequency. It brings the signal to its greatest peak. I, I'm going to perhaps risk dating myself here, but I remember radios before the digital age. I remember when a radio had a dial, and the word dial is not an arbitrary word, because if you were going to get the strongest signal if you were going to really tune in and hear what was going on, you had to dial the radio in. In some cases, it required real finesse. I would often, and many would often, dial from below and dial up to that station. In some cases, you might dial just a little past it and then turn back until you had it tuned in to its most powerful signal. If you just forgive that analogy, I believe that's what God is doing to us and with us in prayer. 
He is tuning us in to the most powerful signal. God is dialing us in. Through the process of prayer, we learn how to connect to God. We learn how to hear His voice. We learn how to listen. We learn how to respond when God speaks. We should never forget one important thing. Prayer is a privilege. It's been so long ago now, I don't even remember exactly when. Many years ago, I was in a prayer room. I knelt down with another minister. We were praying before service, and he began his prayer by saying, Lord, I thank you for the privilege of prayer. I never forgot that phrase. It burned in my heart. It burned in my mind. And I have tried from that day until now to begin my prayers the same way. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. Prayer is not a drudgery. Prayer is not a sentence. Prayer is a privilege because prayer connects God and man. Jesus gives us some insight to prayer as we read Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through and 10. Jesus simply says this. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. This pattern of prayer seems to, in, to indicate some increasing sincerity and, and an increasing commitment. To ask is one thing, but to seek takes it to another level. To seek is one thing, but to knock implies a greater sense of persistence. God, I believe, honors consistent and persistent prayer. There are, however, two conditions that signal when it's time for us to stop praying. One, of course, is when the Lord says yes. So when the Lord says yes to that request or that, uh, that prayer, then it's an indicator that it's time for us to move on to something else. The second time is when the Lord says no. When the Lord says no, it is not up to us then to try to convince or strong arm the Lord into our will and not His will. No matter how much we may disagree, I've got to understand one thing. That God sees the whole picture. He sees the beginning to the end. And he knows what's best. And so when God says yes, I want to rejoice in that. And when God says no, I need to accept that and move on. Another aspect of prayer is found in the fact that we are engaging in spiritual warfare. For reasons we may not ever understand, God ties his accomplished will to people's willingness to pray. This fact is underscored in Ezekiel 22 and 30. It's here that God makes this statement. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Sometimes God's purposes are not accomplished simply because God's people are not in their right place doing what he has called them to do. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 is an undeniable passage of Scripture that we can't afford to skip over, but we've got to pull it into the reality of our lives. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. It's this simple. When we start to pray, God starts to act. There's a powerful passage of Scripture 
in the Bible that I want to share with you before we conclude here this evening. And that is found in Isaiah chapter 6 and 7. In Isaiah chapter 62, excuse me, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. In verse number 7, he says, And give him no rest till he establish, and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Now, merely for the sake of clarification, I want to share this same passage of Scripture from a couple of different translations because I want to underline these words as much as possible. The words in verse chapter number 6 says this, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day and all night. They shall never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Yet another translation says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. Ye who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest, and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem. Now, this is not to imply that God needed to be reminded of anything. When we pray, what we're really doing is not reminding God, but we're reminding ourselves of his powerful promises that are yea and amen. We are like those watchmen that are on the wall, the watchmen that stood to watch out for the enemy. You see, these watchmen, that was the very first line of defense. They were doing warfare, and that's what you and I are doing when we're in prayer. The devil would like to convince us that we're wasting our time, but nothing could be further from the truth because when we fall on our knees and cry out to our God, we have his undivided attention. I will tell you that prayer is work, and make no mistake about it. It's work sometimes to keep your mind focused. It's work to pray through that long list of people and situations, circumstances that we've been praying for for so long. But it's a work worth investing in. While prayer is something that we should be devoted to each and every day, I certainly do not ever want prayer to seem like it's just a part of my to-do list. Rather, I want it to seem like it's a very natural beginning to my day. Prayer is a personal praise to God for what He has already done. It's also a, a praise in advance for what He's going to do. And so as a body of believers, we need to be committed to, to prayer. And so I would admonish you this evening to hold up your church and its leadership in prayer. And to hold up your spouse in prayer. Hold up your children in prayer. Hold up your community in prayer. We're in a desperate hour Right now in our world and certainly in America, we need to be lifting up those that are in the front line and asking God to strengthen them and to anoint them as they lead us and guide us. If there was ever a time that the church should be binding together in prayer, it is certainly now. I want to thank those that are serving us today and I want to pray for those that God has placed in charge. I want to lift them up and establish their ways before the Lord. But I also this evening want to thank those 
those prayer warriors that are behind closed doors, that are in prayer closets, perhaps those that are in your homes or even coming to a house of prayer at times to, to lift up your voice. I want to thank you for your voice and I want to thank you for your petitions because we desperately need that today. Because the church cannot have a neutral position on the matter of prayer. Those who understand the power of prayer, we should be exercising the privilege to pray. We should also acknowledge our responsibility to do the same. And to tap into the only real source of hope that we have. And that is the power of prayer. Lives have been changed by the power of prayer. I'm going to tell you tonight that I am one of many, many people whose life has been positively affected by the power of prayer. I'm thankful for those sustaining voices that have called my name in prayer more often than I may ever know. I remember one time many years ago, I was in a desperate battle, in a desperate trial. My wife had had been gone for several hours that day. I was in our den praying. I had knelt down in one of the chairs and was praying and it was just one of those moments where you feel like you're all alone. While I was praying, the phone rang. Ordinarily, I would have ignored such a thing and continued to pray. But for whatever reason, I felt prompted to answer the phone. And on the other end, some seven or 800 miles away, was the voice of a trusted pastor friend who said, Brother Boyd, today, just now, I was in my office studying and preparing for, our, for an upcoming service and God laid you on my heart. I'm going to tell you that prayer, prayer spanned the gap and the distance of several hundred miles. And that man had been given a word specifically for me. That's just one incident I could talk to you about many, many times that I was made known and made aware of the power of prayer. But I would submit to you that there are countless times where those phone calls didn't happen. And that acknowledgement didn't come. But God had moved on the heart of someone somewhere else to lift us all up in prayer. I'm thankful for the power of prayer. It is that source that connects God and man. If the, again, I want to admonish us today to understand not only our commitment to prayer or that we should be committed to prayer, but understand what a privileged prayer is. And I want to admonish you not to get distracted in this hour but if there was ever a time that we should be focused on God's Word and the power of that Word, it is the day in which we're living. I thank you for being with us tonight. And before we leave, I want to pray and ask God to just touch your heart. I want to ask God to touch you and your family. And let's pray for our, the circumstances that we are faced with. And let's trust God to give us wisdom as we move forward. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful privilege that you have given us again tonight to center our minds and our hearts around your word. I pray today, God, that your word would just serve as the centerpiece and it would serve, God, as that foundational stone that we would hold our hope, Lord, and center our hope around your word. I thank you today for the privilege of prayer. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of prayer. And I thank you for the many times that my life has been positively affected by those that were praying for me. We ask you today to touch our nation, to heal those today that are sick. We pray for your anointing God to move into the homes and the hospital rooms, the nursing homes, assisted living facilities today, God. There's nothing that can stop 
or alter the power of prayer. And we release your healing virtue today, God, in our state, our nation, and around the world. We pray for your authority and your anointing right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May God bless you as our prayer. We love you. And we are praying that God will strengthen you in the days ahead. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.